Okay. Welcome aboard. It's a Tuesday night. And it's a cold one. To be expected in December. I've been liking it. A dry day otherwise, but still chilly. And, um... Man. For the shorter, the shorter show that we have tonight, it did take a long while for this one to come together. Just too many things I was trying to work out and... And, um, but here we are, and I really, really hope that we take a good amount of your calls tonight. I really do, because the main topic, we have to get through a little bit of news, but the main topic is a question based on free will, whether or not it's a real thing, whether or not we have it, based on the work of a Stanford professor. That's right. Stanford professor with a Jerry Garcia beard, atheist, and we're going to talk about that, and I want to take your calls on it, because there, there's plenty of opportunity to, to crack open a few cans of conversation, and that's what I would like to do on this Tuesday night, tomorrow being Wednesday, but we're also having band practice. I don't know how much we're going to be able to get done tonight, because Anthony, uh, Anthony has a uh, little bit of a throat issue going on right now. And, um, so that's clearing up. He's not ready to really start belting it. And I, are we able to perform next week? I don't know. Might have to get pushed off a little bit in, in my estimation, because I'm thinking about it from a broadcast standpoint. Uh, not enough has been done production wise to make me feel like it's going to be a banger of a broadcast. So we'll see what happens there. But in the meantime, with the time we have left tonight, it's going to be a good one. And we're going to start with by, by just saying um, it is the 12th of December. And by this weekend, in a lot of places, unless it's like Amazon or something, gigantic company, you should, for those smaller to mid-sized companies, you should really get a lot of your Christmas shopping in. And all I would say is to do some of your Christmas shopping on quitefrankly.tv on the affiliates page because there is some great stuff there. And I'm telling you, there is, aside from the merch section, which has been completely reorganized and relaunched under the Rise Attire label, which is such high-quality, great stuff. Love the way it feels. Uh, it's not going to fade or crack or anything like that. Wonderful stuff on the merch section there. But if you go to the affiliates page, there's... There's plenty, and I, when I when I talk about gift bags, that is such a key key thing. I like it's it's great to organize me. I like to customize my gifts with people by by throwing in a book that is for the person. Other than that, there's a lot here. Get, grab some coffee at uh, at a Revolution at the Coffee Revolution. That's all linked on the the affiliates page. Get 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 everybody in your life a. Uh, a chip of silver from Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. That's a Frank, quite frankly, dot gold. A little bit of comedy from Flip City Magazine. Yes, cacao. I actually got in touch with Justin yesterday. I said, hey man, what is the cutoff? I, I want to put a little bit of chocolate into some gifts that I'm given. What's the cutoff that wouldn't overburden you and guarantee delivery? He said, you should probably, I don't know, this weekend is a, is a good bet, though it's not out of the question that next week wouldn't be able to, you just don't know. Everybody's uh, surging right now. But there's play more. There's Apex Water. Uh, we, there's our friends at Dr. Gottwoods with those custom, beautiful, rustic wood resin creations for your home and office. You can get yourself some 
Qigong classes with Rob at kungfuchannel.com. Oh, there's so much more, including friends of ours from Bed Voyage. That's a USA brand for um, luxury bamboo linens. You know bamboo is just so damn soft. I was surprised. Years ago, somebody gave me a black t-shirt that was this, you know this is bamboo, right? I said, what's the difference? Then I picked it up, I said, oh, what the hell? How the hell's the, uh, a, a nearly unbreakable reed turn into something so soft and delicate? But that's just the way it is. There's plenty over there on quitefrankly.tv. Go and do it. Check it out. It's Christmas after all. Throw a little something on top for yourself. Okay, let's see, what do we got going on? First one up is this. It's from Digitimes Asia. Ford slashes electric F-150 plans, an ominous sign for the electric vehicles market, for the EV markets. Well, yes, the electric cars are the impossible burger of the automotive industry. Ford Motor Company is cutting 2024 production goals in half for its F-150 Lightning plug-in pickup truck, its signature. I wonder who out there actually uses that and doesn't get bullied by their coworkers. Due to slowing demand for battery-powered models, of course. I don't see anything practical about these cars unless it's gonna be local driving. If you're mainly a local driver, then that's it. I would never take an electric vehicle on the road. It's already enough stress having to plot a road trip and all that stuff, but they have to plot it around, uh, uh, you know, charging stations and to know that you have to stay there for about 40 minutes. No way, man. Gassing up and going. All right, next one up. Here's a little bit more news. This has been going on today. Zelensky, he's begging again. He's begging, begging you. Zelensky dubiously pledges victory while Biden says, don't give up hope. So you have two crazy people getting together. And of course, there is a um, there's an exchange of goods as well. Uh, simply judging by the below, this is from Zero Hedge, jump, judging by the below somewhat chaotic scene of Zelensky at the White House, the Ukrainian leader is no longer the star of the show as he was in the war's first year. Gone are the days of the press pool fawning over him or being in awe at his presence. Instead, the press primarily peppered Biden with questions. Even Biden's words struck out, struck a more dour tone than previous meetings with Zelensky. I don't want you giving up hope, the U.S. president told Zelensky. We're going to stay at your side. This after Zelensky dubiously tried to push a message of Ukraine can win. A narrative which, uh, as the Financial Times noted, Ukrainian citizens themselves are in increasing disbelief of. Biden still gave out another $200 million of what's left before the DOD funding runs out for the year. $200 million. Listen to this. Thank you. Before the press... Before the press... Hey, whoa! Whoa! Whoa, hush up a second, okay? I've got one more thing to say. I've just signed another $200 million drawdown for the Department of Defense for Ukraine, and that'll be coming quickly. Thank you. Thank you. I can't even look at this. 200, and with that, he should have been carted off and brought to jail. 
along with everyone in the White House, including the chefs and the butlers, everybody at this point. I had one brain-dead idiot uh, try to get me to respond to them in uh, the comments on Twitter when I said something along those very lines, saying, uh, exactly what crime is this? Oh, it should be a felony for every dollar. 200 million felonies, right there. On top of the hundreds of billions more before that. It's illegal, it's illegal. There's nothing that makes it legal. There's nothing that makes it, I don't, I don't care how many uh, null and void laws have been passed, how much precedent has been made by the court. It is, it, 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 it runs aground to the constitution. It does not do anything. So this is just where we are uh, it, at the end of the year. Now, as far as where this all goes, it seemed to me with all the headlines just maybe two or three weeks ago that they were cashing out. When you have the when you have Politico and all these other places that are publishing the the inside uh, the the detractors that are inside of Zelensky's own administration, if you want to call that, when they're publishing the, the the detractors saying that he's nuts, he's the only one that believes in the cause, saying okay. Well, this is either they want to shift all of their attention to the Middle East, or what? Is this supposed to be one of those rabbit out of the hat moments that they want you? They want uh, it to seem like you, like uh, Zelensky's the only one that still believes in the cause, and by his sheer will alone, they were able to do something. It's not going to happen. So, are they going to? Is there going to be a false flag? How many false flags are we going to experience in 2024? And on how many fronts? That's really the, the question at this point. Even if they do cash out of Ukraine, that's just that it really is just one piece on the board right now. Um, it was a far bigger piece not too long ago, but, but, but damn, man. And then here is my cottonmouth Count Dracula Senator, Chuck Schumer, who's looking more frail by the day. He must look in the mirror and go, wow. I'm getting closer to the end, aren't I? Yes, indeed you are, Chucky. Yes, indeed you are. If he gets the help he needs, he will win. On the other hand, he made it clear, and we all made it clear, that if we lose, Putin wins. If we lose, Putin wins. What does that even mean? I wish I could have been there to ask this, this, this skeletal freak what is happening to his posture. Seriously. All of these people look like they're, they're, they've been pushed out of some uh, morgue somewhere. My gosh. And this will be very, very dangerous for the United States. So we cannot let Putin... Why would it be dangerous? Tell us, why would it be dangerous? Who in the United States would this be dangerous for? Do you consider you and your colleagues, you consider yourselves the United States? Because I don't see any civilian interest over here in the US for whatever you're doing and the money, our money that you are sending away. So we cannot let Putin influence through any surrogate <clears throat> what is what we need to do for Ukraine. He also made one other point. He needs the aid quickly. If we don't give the aid quickly, several things will happen. First, the military needs, but second, Europe and many other allies will say, what is going on here? They're not giving, they're not giving them the aid. Europe, if we don't give $61 billion more, if we don't send off $61 billion more 
one of the, the one of the, the top three things that you can count on. Oh, the military will you'll sputter. Who the fuck cares? They don't have a military. Uh, and, and then imagine thinking that that should be a motivating factor at the end there. That the entirety of Europe, however many dozens of <laughs> how many countries is that in total? I've never counted. The entirety of Europe is going to say. Where the hell is that money? Why aren't the Americans sending more tens of billions of dollars? Oh my gosh. Imagine, imagine being so fucking out of touch. You think that that would be a motivating factor. We, oh, we, well, we don't want Europe to be checking their watch, waiting for us to spill our fucking guts for Ukraine. We wouldn't want them tapping their foot and checking their watch, would we? Would, uh, would we? Holy shit. Holy shit, that this, the fact that this leering, cotton-mouth Dracula bastard and everyone like him could show any signs of urgent concern for places like Ukraine when the southern border is just at this point gone. It's not like it's so bad, it's getting so bad down there. We've been saying that for decades. If there's any mass death scenario that originates from activity at the border, Chuck Schumer should not even get a trial. He shouldn't even get a trial. Incredible. Incredible. So that's what we have there. I have a little bit more for the other side. Um, But let's just kick this show off. And we'll be right. We'll we'll be right back. This is Max Ancaparato at 12,060 feet. You can get as high as I am by watching the Quite Frankly podcast. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! This is Zelensky in the U.S. government. Listen to me, honey. Give Pearl something that'll be of some use to me, like a, like a five-pound box of money. That's it. Now, now there's a little gift. There you go. It's loaded with. Zelensky is Pearl Bailey coming into Washington, D.C., asking for Santa Claus. Asking Santa Claus for a five-pound box of money. Yeah, he needs, to, he needs some change to pay his rent, too. He's got a really nasty coke habit, I would have to imagine, as well, at this point. With, uh, with so, having so few friends that actually care about you. And um, somebody, the, the studio came back 
to reclaim Sean Penn's Oscar, give him a uh, a, a, a copper stand-in. That's it. It's like that scene in Three Amigos again when the studio comes back to take their clothes away. Sorry, Zelensky. We, we need we need Sean's uh, Oscar back. That was a it was fun, wasn't it? Uh, you, you held it right. It's heavy, right? It's great. It's incredible. All right, we'll have good luck. Anywho, welcome to the show. Welcome to the the Wednesday night. The Wednesday night, Tuesday night. Tomorrow's Wednesday. Got the carpet people coming tomorrow morning to finally fix the terrible job that they did in August. Taking me a long, long time to get this underway, but of course, that's just the way it is sometimes. I have a little something from Vice that I want to talk about. Um, I read through it a little bit because I was just wondering where, what direction it was going to take, whether or not it was going to be an apologetic on behalf of an expanding mass surveillance state here in the U.S. Because, of course, as you know, Vice is now purely a Soros-backed operation. After being bought out for like $300 million uh, earlier this year, eyes everywhere. Congress is about to vote to expand mass surveillance of Americans, experts warn. Here's a couple of highlights. The U.S. House Intelligence Committee has proposed a reform bill that privacy experts are warning would significantly expand the government's mass surveillance apparatus. There would be eyes everywhere, Goyton told Motherboard in a phone call. Any entity that you visit as a customer that provides Wi-Fi service could be required to let the government tap into its equipment and pull out entire streams of communications. The bill reauthorizes FISA Section 702, which of course we know a lot about the uh, 702 FISA queries since 2017, especially how they have been so prolifically weaponized and abused. Uh, And here's a little bit more for you. Um, Both the Epic and the Brennan Center are warning that this could be a basic as basic as an ordinary Wi-Fi router or a cafe library. Any business that has access to equipment on which communications are stored and transmitted would be fair game, the organization's joint statement reads. That means hotels, libraries, coffee shops, and other businesses that provide Wi-Fi could be compelled to serve as surrogate spies structuring their systems so that they can give the government access to entire communication streams, conscripting U.S. businesses into intelligence agency service as a feature of the 2007 Protection Protect America Act. Congress explicitly and appropriately rejected this feature one year later when it passed Section 702. A little bit more. Because the government would be able to conduct so much more surveillance, there would also be more incidental collection of American communications. When the government is targeting foreigners overseas, it is inevitably sweeping in Americans' communications as well, because America, you remember that's, that was the basis of all the unmasking stuff? that uh, Samantha Powers and, and all of her sorority were, were in on with uh, Michael Flynn. And that's, that, that's really all to be able to smear a person as they were working with the hags, the cheesecake-eating hags of The View to make the, um, to make the Russia stuff really stick at the end of 2016 into the early 2017 months. Once you put that surveillance on steroids, which is what this provision would do, the government would be pulling in orders of magnitude, more Americans' communications than it's doing right now. So that eventually, if you cross the line or if you get, uh, you are the nail that sticks up too high and needs to be hammered back down, 
they, you know, they can take a look at anything. Maybe they find you there. Maybe they find you in some supercomputer, a message you didn't send that uh, on its own looks very, very naughty. Who the hell knows? It's all about we don't have privacy anymore. We haven't for a long time. And, and as far as this expanding now, as far as this expanding, um, you know, like I said, I was reading this curious to see what was this all going to be because vice doesn't really give a rip about civil rights and the diminishing size and scope and mandate of the government but uh, it's not written like an apologetic but we know enough about these people and i naturally find myself assuming that here is an article that is written from a standpoint of skepticism and concern on the eve of a new year that is going to be ripe for the picking when it comes to false flag operations, like I said before, whether it be foreign wars, domestic terror, biologicals. So uh, we've already been prepped so much by Christopher Ray and others who are talking about this rising threat coming from all angles. Rising threat coming from all angles. The White Coats talking about syndemics and all that other shit. So what is this? Does it stick? Is the predicate for needing systems as uh, comprehensive as these going to be delivered soon or steadily? I don't know. But, um, but yeah, it's all very Hegelian, isn't it? Also, I saw a little bit more about this, um, about the, how China's cyber, cyber wing, but you, you never know who the hell it is, by the way, because remember with the Julian Assange uh, Russia, you know, Russiagate stuff that was going on there and Vault 7 being put into the mix. It was the United States government who wanted to deal with with uh, with Julian Assange the least. So little. They wanted so badly to do nothing, have nothing to do with Julian Assange because anything that he gave the public in an agreement over here to come over to the U.S. and give testimony about Russia would destroy everything that they had in mind for those three years they kept Russia alive with Mueller and going after Trump and trying to uh, destroy him with the whole nonsense, just having that hang over his head. They couldn't have Julian Assange come in and do that, so they kept him out of the country. They let him waste away, and they even thought that allowing Vault 7 to be uh, released unredacted was a price they were willing to pay to be able to keep up three and a half years of Russiagate just floating out there for all the retards to consume. So what did Vault 7 show us? Always remember, out of all the things that they showed us, they can plant digital fingerprints on any crime scene that they de- that they deem a crime scene that needs to be investigated. Especially, especially when it comes to cyber warfare and all that other shit. So if they want somebody, they want something to look like it was done by Russian actors, they have long since had the ability to concoct the fingerprints. Same thing with China as well here. Now, do I really, do I put all my trust and love and affection in for places like Russia and China? No. Nope. I am at a place these days where all my love and affection is uh, is reserved for family and friends and anybody else that I've been able to get to know personally, because what the hell else? What the hell else is there? Love for my profession? There's that for the arts, but definitely not other countries when I have a hard enough time trusting and loving my own, or at least my own government. That's what we're really dealing with here. Groups of people that pretend to represent the interests of far larger groups of people. 
and um, and that's what we have. So there's been a lot of talk about cyber armies invading the critical U.S. services. I don't know what it is. I, some of them had to do with power grids, and I think the southern border near Texas or something. Uh, utilities like water in Hawaii. Um, the, there's a lot. We all know about the shipping ports and things like that. So a lot of predictive programming, a lot of... Um, there's just a lot of forecasting and a lot of foreboding. So that's what you have to look out for and look forward to. That's why we are soaking everything up and fortifying ourselves going into the new year. Ain't it going to be grand? It is. So now I want to do something else. Here's the basis for tonight's show. The overall that I want to get all of your calls on. It's 914-200-0269. We'll be taking it pretty soon. Um, in about 15 minutes or so, we're going to be bouncing off of here because it's a short show, but, um, but still let's get on to it. Here's the headline for you. And there's the man of the hour. Stanford scientist after decades of study concludes that we do not have free will. This came out a few weeks ago, been saving it for a night like tonight. So his name is Robert Sapolsky. Okay, he's a Stanford University neurobiologist, and he's written a book pretty much concluding that there is no such thing as free will. Now, do you believe that free will exists? Because this Wojak does not. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of why. So here's a couple of uh, segments that I took out of this. After more than 40 years studying humans and other primates, Sapolsky has reached the conclusion that virtually all human behavior is as far beyond our conscious control as the convulsions of a seizure. The division of cells or the beating of our hearts. This means accepting that a man who shoots into a crowd has no more control over his fate than the victims who happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. This is exactly what he's saying, too. It means treating drunk drivers who barrel into pedestrians just like the drivers who suffer a sudden heart attack and veer out of their lane. Here's a quote. The world is really screwed up and made much, much more unfair by the fact that we reward people and punish people for things they have no control over. Oh, yeah, this one's one's nutty. I I really hope it inspires some good calls. I really do. Um, We've got no free will. Stop attributing stuff to us that isn't there, says Sapolsky. Now, his book, called Determined, goes a step further. If it's impossible for any single neuron or any single brain to act without influence from factors beyond its control, Sapolsky argues there can be no logical room for free will. Many people, even with a passing familiarity with human biology, can comfortably agree with this up to a point. We know we make worse decisions when hungry, stressed, or scared. We know our physical makeup is influenced by the genes inherited from distant ancestors and by our mother's health during her pregnancy. Abundant evidence indicates that people who grew up in homes marked by chaos and deprivation will perceive the world differently and make different choices than people raised in safe, stable, resource-rich environments. A lot of important things are beyond our control. Now, there's another thing there, too. There is no rule where you say that people who came up in homes that were chaotic and, you know, living in deprived situations have never been able to make choices. 
to be able to make a choice, to be able to make decisions and want to get out of that and haven't come from nothing, haven't gone from rags to riches or at least rags to fantastic wealth. And when I mean wealth, I'm talking about the, I'm talking about richness of soul and expression and to be able to break a cycle that, of course, we can all fall into cycles. That's just something that happens there. But to say that there's no free will, um, it might be hard to break out of certain circumstances if it continues to get perpetuated from generation to generation. But what then? What the hell are we talking about here? So, I mean, he goes on to say all this stuff, and 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 how astute an, uh, an observation is that? With the hungry, stressed, and scared, you make worse decisions in that that uh, that situation. Well. That explains why trauma-based mind control is the lifeblood of the government and its media and the banks and the NGOs who fund the whole globalist operation that we're living under right now. Hungry, stress, scared, sick people are more predictable. They are more dependent. They're easily controlled. That's a that's very obvious thing, which means, at least to me, that through outside influence, and artificial limiting of choices, the pretty much coercion, you can reduce free will for the average person. You can reduce that. You can limit their choices and all that stuff. But how do you reduce something that doesn't exist in the first place? And if it doesn't, I, I, that's, I don't get it. There's got to be something greater already there to then be reduced I mean, and, and here's another thing there, too. Are people who resist hypnosis and peer pressure better than others, are they too free in their thinking or are they too programmed to budge? That's an interesting one to throw up there. Um, now, the professor, this professor would probably call wide-scale mind control a conspiracy theory. But those would be the questions I would explore. Also, also, why is there such an urgent, costly, ever-expanding operation out there to shape public opinion? Or better yet, why doesn't communism work? Now, sure, we all react to a stim stimuli. You know, there's, there's plenty of thing that things that are stimulating us around the, around the country, in our personal lives, whatever it is. But, you know, we all react very differently which is why one-size-fits-all systems and ideologies, they always fall apart due to imperfect knowledge of what drives individuals to make choices and decisions, which are different things. So how much of that is free will? Where, where does that come into it? And I understand that he's saying right here that individual reasoning, individual reactions to stimulus is slavishly uh, linked to past experience and that is the basis for the claim that there is no free will but we need data do we not we need data to compute it's just a ridiculous cop-out to me to say that experience negates freedom because what would a what would free will look like without experience there's a big a very big question i would love for you all to write down right now what would freedom, what would free will look like without experience? I just don't get it. How do you even imagine a human being who has zero input aside from the newborn 
and the newborn even has input. They have they have instincts. You know, they are. I mean, they know their mother's heartbeat. They. I mean, there's. A, but let's just talk about social experience and anything like that. Can you even imagine a person who has zero social input, no sentient experiences whatsoever that would not figure as a factor for a future action that's taken? What's wrong with applying experience in life? How does that make you less free? Now, as time goes on, you learn more and you can reflect on how your decision making was based on incomplete sets of information and you got more and you got more experience you became more i mean i mean there's 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 always that but that's just part of growth and you know even when we look at this even then when we have all that data to take a look at we still have the tendency of saying damn it all and i'm just going to take a leap of faith on something despite what the data says is that not is that not free will but here's the key Here's the key, what I got up next from this guy. Uh, where is he? There we go. Biology called to him early. This is the Dr. Sapolsky. By grade school, he was writing fan letters to primatologists and lingering in front of the taxidermied gorillas at American Museum of Natural History. But religion shaped life at home. All that changed on a single night in his early teens, he says. While grappling with questions of faith and identity, he was struck by an epiphany that kept him awake until dawn and reshaped his future. God is not real, there is no free will, and we primates are pretty much on our own. And there you go. Now, I could have, I could have guessed that just by a number of things here but it start i was waiting for it to pop up in this article now the atheist's worldview presupposes that we are all just nuts and bolts with no room for the x factor which is the soul because of course the soul needs a creator and um and then we start getting into things that science really can't measure and that's why this article in particular and all of the the quotes and all of the excerpts direct that are taken directly from his work come off as, at least before I even read that part about his atheism, it comes off as typical godless commie deconstructionist crap, where it's just more Frankfurt School stuff, nothing matters, you take things apart, elements apart, and you're just deconstructing, deconstructing, and you're just slipping farther and farther into the senility of subjectivism. And that's where we um, that's where we find ourselves right now. Now, because there are, uh, and, and I and I look at that and I just kind of shook my head because if I were going to write an article or write a book about this subject, there are actually some really interesting questions to be asked regarding free will and um, and maybe that are worth some examination. For instance, precognition. What about precognitive dreams? Things like that. People who have actually seen the future. Okay, it's happened before. It has happened. How does that fit in with the notion of free will? That's a very interesting question to me. How does that fit into that spectrum of free will? Is it some kind of a looking glass scenario where a person is actually seeing the future from a certain timeline's vantage point prior to changing the will? Or, or, or what is it? That's something that I would really be interested in investigating or even reading about somebody else investigating. But you see, that would be far more interesting subject. And that far more interesting subject could never be explored by 
the good professor, the scientist over here, because that would require curiosity and things that science alone has a very hard time explaining. And that's where we just, we're talking about that last night with Stephen Jonathan about taking that leap into philosophy and then theology and actually being able to plug in all the secular stuff into something that's a little bit more holistic and complete where we get into this specialized mentality and nobody's taking a look at our lived material experience being combined with everything that's ethereal. So, um, and then here comes another comment from the article. This is a comment from one of Sapolsky's peers, a another professor over here in the SUNY system in New York. That's the State University of New York. Here's a quote from uh, a philosopher at SUNY Corning. His name is Greg Caruso. He says, who we are and what we do is ultimately the result of factors beyond our control. And because of this, we are never morally responsible for our actions in the sense and this, and remember, this is the other crazy thing about this. We're not even actually, it's one thing to say, I want to start a debate about free will to really see how we can find the edges of this subject matter, push the edges a little bit more and have some fun with it. It's not even about that. The fact that they keep coming down to how there is no such thing as free will, therefore rewards and punishments for people who do things that are uh, commendable and things that people who do things that are completely dastardly is terrible. Even though what we are seeing right now is an increase in people who are doing dastardly things because the culture is falling apart. Okay. If we were predetermined, if everything was predetermined that we were going to be, uh, you know, we were just going to be, why wasn't it always this bad? Why do we fluctuate? Why is that? Why does things fluctuate? Things fluctuate from high times to low times. That would be interesting to hear about. Factors beyond our control and because of this, we are never morally responsible for our actions in the sense that would make us truly deserving of praise and blame, punishment and reward, said Greg Caruso, a philosopher at SUNY Corning who read early drafts of the book. He said, I'm in agreement with Sapolsky that life without belief in free will is not only possible, but preferable. So Caruso is a co-director of the Justice Without Retribution Network, which advocates for an approach to criminal activity that prioritizes preventing future harm rather than assigning blame and focuses on the causes of of violence and antisocial behavior instead of fulfilling a desire for punishment, he said. So no deterrent. We just want to continue to look. look, we, We want the Joker's backstory. We want the Joker's backstory. We want to cast somebody as the Joker and we want to turn it into the new anti-hero movie or a series of movies. That's it. That will allow us to adopt more humane and effective practices and policies. And this, my friends, this, my friends, is why liberal cities are completely out of control of violent crime. That wherever these people congregate, it's going to get worse. All right. Now, there are those who don't want to congregate. They still want to feel good about themselves, but they go and find themselves a a little outpost in a very uh, sparsely populated suburban or rural area. And they'll just have their crazy ideas about the world, but they'll never actually have to suffer the consequences of it. There are those people out there. But this is when they congregate and they actually start amassing political power. Watch out. And they're mostly the artist types. They're mostly the artist types, no doubt. You know, these are the people who, it's kind of like, 
I would take um you can go watch them in a play sometime. But would you ever want them in charge of anything? No, and they shouldn't be. They should be concentrating on just being the local thespian, putting on the uh, you know, what's on the summer schedule? What are you going to play? What what's what is it? it? Oh, Kiss Me Kate? Oh, nice. Great. Great. They're going to go put on Kiss Me Kate for you so you can go out and do something on a, on a Friday night, but otherwise, they retreat into their little world and they don't bother anybody with their fucking ideas. That's what we need. And this is why liberal cities are completely out of control. And this is why we also have a rash of liberal activist types that are getting their their throats slashed, ignoring all the crime data, walking through bad neighborhoods at 4 o'clock in the morning like they, because they think that they're the thug whisperers and nobody's going to touch them or something like or Or don't, oh, that's just, that's just a conspiracy theory. Don't worry about it. We'll be fine. And then, and then when they die, their friends come out and their families come out and they defend the assailants. They defend the assailants. We've seen it how many times this year alone? This is why cities like San Francisco have turned into a continuous river of human shit. And, and, I, and I remember reading about a similar instance in Seattle where the feces also flows like wine. And uh, one of their city councilmen a couple of years ago, objected to the use of power washers to clean up all the crap spackled sidewalks in Seattle because it brought back it brought back the images of how hoses were used against civil rights protesters. The fact that they would I mean it's it's an absurdity. It's an absurdity that cleaning up homeless crap on the streets could even be compared to a civil rights protest is is beyond me. But they did it because they're nuts. And it's a prime example. This is, this is why this whole thing is a prime example of the NPC phenomenon that we've been talking about. Life gives you data and you choose what to do with it or you make a decision. You make, life gives you data, you make a decision or you make a choice outside of that decision. You know? But the liberal, especially the liberal, is just allergic to data it denies it even exists, and it continues doing whatever the hell they want. And I guess in a twisted way, I guess you can use that as an example of free will as well. Because for you to freely ignore information and obvious threats to your life or quality of life, is that not free will? Because if you made a decision to clean up the crap on the, on the sidewalk... And do something that, then that would just be you being a slave to experience and knowing that if you clean up the crap, you will live a more clean, satisfying life. And then you wouldn't be a slave to cleanliness. I, I don't know. Maybe that's why. So there's a question for you. If someone would rather hop over piles of shit to fetch their morning coffee rather than have the sidewalk closed down, does that make them more free? Because they ignore the lessons that their environment is teaching them or trying to teach them. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, and then here's the last thing I took out for this from this article. We are machines, Sapolsky argues. See how I'll just like depressing this is? We are machines. Exceptional in our ability to perceive our own experiences and feel emotions about them. It is pointless to hate a machine for its failures. 
There's only one last thread he cannot resolve, though, says the article of the, uh, the, the, the writer of the article. Here's a quote from Sapolsky. It is logically indefensible, ludicrous, meaningless to believe that something good can happen to a machine. He writes, nonetheless, I'm certain that it is a good thing if people feel less pain and more happiness. You see, bunch of commie gobbledygook. They're not, they're not really serious about anything. It's just that there is a wide open door for these losers to be accepted and given tenure at once prestigious colleges. You see what's going on at, at Harvard with that crazy diversity hire that nobody could could bring themselves to fire because she's a, a, a black Marxist Afrocentric progressive. I mean, it's just incredible. You are made in the shade. And all of this stuff just falls apart. It's, it's just like you're constantly scratching your own balls. And you get this, uh, and you know it takes like $80,000 a year to go to Stanford. Can you imagine paying $80,000 a year to be lectured by this guy and his friends? This guy. So call in with anything. We're going to go on our break right now. I really, I invite you all. I invite you all to quite frankly.tv to pill.net. The pill.net uh, direct link is in the description below. You can also just put quite frankly.tv up there too if you just want to go quick. Doesn't matter. It all, it all uh, goes to the same place. If you're on quite frankly.tv, you can click through into pill.net or the other way around. Go ahead and do it. Think of it like the Tucker Carlson network, only uh, there's no paywall. There's no paywall, and it's someone you like hanging out with, and I'd love for you to join us, and I want your calls. This is a very rich topic, and I want to know what you're talking, what, what you're thinking about. Write it down, 914-200-0269. For the next 30 to 40, 45 minutes, I want to take your calls and nothing but your calls. So please flood me, and don't stop. All right? We'll be back, and I'll see you on the other side, and uh, I hope you follow over. I, I really, really do. The rest of the show is available exclusively at pill.net. Follow the link in the description of the episode. Get signed up. It's that easy. Or head on over to quitefrankly.tv. Just press play. No paywalls, no censorship, no strings attached. So head on over, quitefrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole and pill.net. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Ladies and Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Entering. 
Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Quite frankly. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly. In Roma, Italia. Quite frankly. You're going on Frank's show tonight? I want to get a Coke. Can I get a Coke? So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly, how dare you? All right. Okay, let's take a uh, let's take a call. Seven seven zero. You're on the air. Hey there, thanks for taking my call. You can call me Pat because, well, that's my name. Hello, Pat. Um, thrilled to talk to you, buddy. Uh, I'm a 60-year-old guy that has been seeing all this shit his whole life as to rule for thee and not for me and things of that nature. But uh, the takeaway on the free will stuff is for years they're, they being, you know, the bad guys have been trying to tell us that we are no different from any other animal mm. even though we have opposing thumbs and we have people that cure diseases we're no different from you know rover licking his balls in the living room when company's over that's us right so of course they're going to tell us that we don't have free will because we um that sets us apart but i'm not the type of person that would sit in my living room and lick my balls even if i could that that would be pretty neat Uh, but um we as human beings have a lot of things that we uh have that's unique to the rest of the the uh, creation, uh, you know, and I say creation because uh, I believe in creation because, quite honestly, I'm, I'm a computer geek. I'm very logical, and uh, things happening by accident, although in some circumstances it, it just doesn't happen. Um, so what makes us different is we have free will, and... And we have interests, you know. Uh, I'm very interested in uh, ones and zeros and uh, uh, computer stuff, whereas my sisters had no no intellect for that at all. But you know, they did things that that completely was different from. From what I did growing up. Well, Pat, well, the, 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 what, what what he's saying, what what the uh, the guy is saying is, is that no matter how different you are from your sisters or anybody else, is that the reason why that you like ones and zeros is because on your individual path, uh, you have you have experienced things that have uh, set you up for this kind of this kind of a life, 
and that um, yeah. yeah. So, and, and, well, well, let me ask you this question real quick before we take another call. Sure. What? No, I got. Go ahead. What does free will look like without knowledge and experience? That is, that is, is helping, uh, is helping you in in the helping you as like a support system in how you're going to react and how you have found success in the past, whether it be just for basic survival or things that you have now learned that you take personal pleasure in doing. I mean, when they talk about uh, knowledge and experience as being some kind of a slavish, uh, you know, slave-like or or enslaving uh, factor that takes away anything that could be considered really true free will, then my question is, what does free will look like? Is it... It, it, is it just it, it randomness? Looks, it looks like Rover licking his balls in the living room when company's over. Yeah. That's what it looks like. If you if you don't have free will, you're you're not going to have that throttle or that uh, that governor to slow you down, right? I mean, I, you mean that, you mean if you don't have if you don't have experiences and knowledge, you don't have a governor. Then, if you were just purely, if you were just okay, let, 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 me, let me pull it back to something a little weirder for you. Uh, I was dyslexic since I was a child, of course, and everyone knows that back in the seventies, and we're talking sixty-nine through whenever I graduated, uh, people that were dyslexic were called retarded, right? And I know that's a nasty word, and it's very offensive. But, you know, walking into a room when people are whispering and they stop you, and you hear that word, that's what they did to us in the 70s. Well, uh, since I've been digging into it with my family and my own, I have uh, a son who's dyslexic. Thank God I went through what I had to so he didn't have to go through what I went through. And he's, you know, studying law right now. But way back then, before I could even speak, I was taking things apart and seeing things in 3D in my mind. Okay, that's not experience, right? I was doing that because I like to fix things. It had nothing to do with uh, any experience I ever had, right? The only experience I had before that was sitting in my diapers or walking around uh, you know you got aurora there right very you know so, what, pat, pat very very good points um uh very very good points i'm glad i asked you that last question you, you took this to a very constructive place and you know i had this in the um uh in the opening of that article from msn that i had i had taken some excerpts out tonight it opened up like this they said before epilepsy was understood to be a neurological condition, people believed it was caused by the moon or by phlegm in the brain. They condemned seizures as evidence of witchcraft or demonic possession and killed or castrated sufferers to prevent them from passing tainted blood to a new generation. And today we see them as diseases by and large. It's accepted that a person who causes a fatal traffic accident while in the grip of a seizure should not be charged with the murder. So here's the thing. They're talking, but they're they're taking this to another level. But as far as the passage of time giving us a little bit more understanding on what a thing is and the the motivating factors therein, 
It's a very interesting. I thank you for the call so much, Pat. The, what I don't get past, what I don't, what I can't get past, and is really the more egregious part of all this. It's one thing to be just stuck in this guy's worldview, and atheism is a worldview. It's something that prevents you to go, prevents you just through uh, as a fundamental thing. You can't go that extra step. Outside the nuts and bolts, the neurons and the synapses, you can't you can't go that that extra step. Um, and I, I understand if, if somebody is stuck in this and they're writing a little bit more, um, you know, doomer kind of books over there for all their academic friends and in, uh, in uh, their their school and and whatever. But when it comes to taking this to the point where oh we don't have free will. And that a person who commits a crime or any or kills someone or whatever, uh, we, we need to have a better way of approaching this other than reward and punishment. Okay. You're telling me the, the, the person who climbs into another person's home and murders somebody, steals, murders, assaults, rapes, that is, those are circumstances outside of their control? Like I, it's it's the craziest part of the article, um, because I, there's there's plenty of constructive, interesting ways of testing the boundaries of what free will is and how it could be affected by things like precognitive uh, precognitive activity or anything like that. But you know, of course, that would require some belief that there is something outside of flesh and bone going on with us. Let's take a call six one eight. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, this is 618. You can call me 925 because you do anyway. Well, it's good to have you on. Yeah. Uh, this just got me motivated enough because Sapolsky? Yes. Sound like a 16-year-old who's really, really drunk for the first time, trying to sound way smarter than he actually is. You know what? You were not, you're not the first person to comment exactly like that today. Some people didn't even care about putting together a cohesive, uh, you know, counterpoint to the things he was saying. They're just like, you know what? I can't stand with these when these bastards try to sound smart. Yeah, that's all he's doing. I mean, honest to God, I remember thinking stupid shit like that when I was sitting around campfire drinking the first time back in my teenage. Uh, and then you go back and you grow up a uh, few dozen years and you look back on it you see god damn i sound like a moron and that's what he sound like to me also just quick before i hang up if at's out there listening hey buddy hope you're getting better and cajun lady sarah over there in guilty and she had some really good stuff to say about that and pointed up some good articles on it and in case anybody wants to go and look at them well i pretty wait, it, man. and wait wait who who is this uh doug D-925. Okay. D-925. Wild G-925. Well, okay, man. Popped, popped a couple of rumble rants off on you before you switched over here. But oh, I, 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 I'm going to read them. The crap. Yeah, I'm going to read them, no doubt about it. And, I, you know, we, there's so, there is so much great stuff going on. There was a little conversation about this on, on Gilded today, but I appreciate your call. I really do. I think it's, uh, I think it's very, very easy to digest the conclusion you've drawn there. Well, that's about how I get to digest and stuff, you know, if it's easy. Yes. <laughs> All right, man. Well, have good, you, man. you too. Have a good one. And yes, all shout out to AT. AT's been having some health issues. Um, the Gilded's really coming together nicely as far as a little tight-knit group over there. And um, 
But yeah, yeah. Dozens of years go by. You have a little bit more to to go on. 914-200-0269. Keep them coming. I want to go and check all the super chats real quick. First one up is on the Rumble Rants. Because we know there's at least one there. There you go. 925 Wild G. It says, Gilded cup of coffee for you. I assume the professor would at least have a decent argument. This guy is just an idiot. Yeah, it's a... It's crazy. I mean, that's Stanford University, ladies and gentlemen. Stanford. All right, send those gold pills my way. I'll get to those in just a second. Let's take another call from 404. How you doing, 404? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. So what's on your mind tonight? Well, I was just thinking about that that report of that professor, the... Was it a philosophy professor? Yeah, you know, well, it was a philosophy professor that was commenting on it here in New York, but the article was written about the the, the neurobiologist in Stanford. So, yeah, New York, New York, California connection. Gotcha. Well, my thoughts on it were that um, first, the agenda is to get rid of God, but still have morals. Well, where did the morals come in? They're within oneself. That's hedonism. So this guy now wants to take away yourself, your free will. It's just a contribution to the chaos that they're trying to create. Yeah. So I don't think he's a moron, but he's part of the chaos agenda. How how mu- how invested? I mean, obviously there is from the beginning, um, especially when you look at what the KGB was doing once communism was really spreading after it had been pushed down that hill in. Um, in Russia and then spreading throughout Europe and then of course into I- India and and the rest of Asia they would they would really take american recruit actually i think i think it was uh yuri bezmenov when he was being interviewed by uh, g edward griffin in the 1980s talked about times where the kgb would have they would fly out plane loads of american university uh, you know, academics that would go out to India and places like that and just being invited to these almost like summits would make them feel like, wow, I've been chosen, me. And they would play to their ego and make them feel like they were the best of the best. And they would fill their heads up with all of this Marxist drivel and send them back almost like missionaries back into the United States and have that proliferate a little bit more throughout the classrooms. So we know that just playing to the egos of these um, these academic types has been something that has been a, uh, a target, has been an objective for generations already. That's no, no doubt. At, at this point, I don't know how much of a big role he's playing. It could just be like, oh, well, I want to write a book. And um, there are some parts in that artic- article that say that uh, it's a fringe theory that a lot of his... His colleagues don't agree with, but the fact that it's uh, such a daring conclusion definitely got some headlines from places like MSN. Well, they're smart not to agree with it because the the ego-driven mindset of the um, highly educated is is the most important thing to that person. So I would that would make sense. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but you're right. It's 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 crazy, and obviously there's no. There's no even recognizing a possibility that God exists. Um, And then, of course, to to even take it from there and say that we don't even have free will. It's one thing to have like this humanist kind of approach where you are saying, well, listen, I I don't have um, 
I don't have any authority over me and that the human experience, my time on this earth begins and ends with me in this body uh, being as independent, fiercely autonomous as possible. You know, the satanic Luciferian worldview. Um, but the fact that he has gone beyond that of even stripping himself of his own autonomy, that he's just, <laughs> I, I mean, that's just like, you're, you're just, you're, you're relegating all of us to just piles of goo. It's just, or just dogs and cats at that point. It's great. Yeah. It's crazy. Thank you so much for the call. Thank you. I love the show. Yeah. Thank you. I, I hope you come back. I hope you come back. It's just like what, uh, Pat was saying before. And I, and I guess that really comes across. That's a very simple answer because it's a big question. What does free will look like without knowledge and experience? If acting off of knowledge that you gain over time and experiences that you have had over time, whether they be good experiences, bad experiences, like um, whatever the hell it is, if acting off of that data that has been input into your system is something that in itself negates the idea that free will could even be possible, then what would free will actually even look like? And to have it just be the the dog licking his balls in the living room, just completely being taken by sensory, I, I don't know. I, what is it? Don't, don't dogs learn tricks? Don't dogs have experiences? Don't they know what not to go near? Can't they not be trained? Do they not have their own traumas and all that? So what is what is this? And if it's not, if we don't have free will, it's just, no. Nah. Well, well, we'll take some more calls. 229, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hello, how are you? I'm this doing, Ellerby. Ellerby, welcome to the show. I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Um, I was calling because I honestly, I, th- I agree with your last caller that uh, they are trying to remove God and removing the self as well. But there is no such thing um, as any sort of, um, I guess, free w- I mean, free will cannot exist without experience, but there's no such thing as us existing without experience because that is part of the whole entire plan that God created everlasting life through our DNA. And we have, we have memory. That is what our DNA is, is memory. And that is why you can have a child that was adopted and the child has certain gifts and talents that they can find in their family tree once they figure out, you know, whether it's music or it's art. There is memory in our DNA cells. So when we come into this earth, when they say, you know, beauty is in the beholder's eye, it's the eye of their perception of things and their response to their environment. Mm. So we already come with experience. And that's part of the everlasting life. You will be in your grandchildren. And what you learn in this world and you contribute in your interactions will be in their DNA. It's just, it's a fact. And and when you read more into that, too, it just makes it seem even more a very remote, remote possibility that there could ever be nothing that started all this. The intricacy uh, of of every last thing. And you're right. I mean, the DNA that is inside of me, you, my daughter, everybody is 
is really a culmination of every i mean we're talking about since the beginning of anything that could be recognized as human it has been getting perfected and it has been passed down and it has been storing information and storing information and it just it expresses itself in all these really miraculous ways and um and, and yeah it, it is hard to be disconnected from that but also uh there's nothing there that controls you to control you no. in, in doing anything like that uh doing anything is there an alienable right and that you were born with because you come directly from god and god planted those trees originally from the very beginning and those we are all leaves on the tree and we do uh mold and prune and you know half but that is why when when you know christ came they said that anyone can be grafted into the tree and and that is what's so unique about it with this whole entire thing like if you even look at the trans movement there is no there is no reproduction it's it's that's why it is an extinctionist death cult as elon says because it's it ends everlasting life and that is what people don't seem to get I mean, you still exist. You you contribute back. It, it goes both ways. There are even studies, which is interesting, that even a female who gives birth to a male child, that, that even when the child is, is being born uh, or, be, or developing, that the child communicates their DNA with the mother. And so there are still uh, Y chromosomes in an older woman in her brain from when she carried a male child. That's why a, a, a mother wakes up in the middle of the night and knows that there's been a car accident or something's wrong. It's all connected. We're all connected. And that's what's so strange when these these people come out with all these far out ideas. It's like it's as far that to me is as far out as saying a boy can be a girl or a girl can be a boy. That's how ridiculous that is. Yep. Yes, and, and when you think about, and again, thank you for the call. This is it's really great to have you on. Oh yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Shout out, Max. <laughs> to to Max. Yeah, say hi, Max. What's going on, Max? Who's that? <laughs> no, he's my friend who listens to your show too. Max. Oh, I love it. what what a great what a great great name. Thank you so much, you and Max, for watching the show. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Thanks. There you go. Well, let's let's think about that for a little bit there too. Um, you think about the way that anybody can come up in a traumatic household or have something happen to them. There are plenty of people who allow it to become a reason why you can't do anything else, and then there are those to say, like you think about the trauma of. You think about the trauma of any one thing, being bullied, um, excluded from things, uh, made to feel alienated in one way or another. I felt alienation before. I felt all that stuff before. And, but then again, there is a calling that you have. You feel your energy inside, like you're, you're being drawn towards something. I, I've always felt drawn to the stage. I love... I love being part of plays. I love being then one, of course, I haven't been in a play in a very, very long time, but then we, we found music 
And that was a stage again, only this time with the drums. And we're doing, you know, we're gigging, we're all that stuff. We found, go to the studio, we like, just like performing. And then uh, it, it was during a transition period where my brother and I had one band break up and we were starting to develop what would eventually become Set the Charge, that I got a call from a friend of mine and said, hey, we have a, a radio slot open here at school. It's at one o'clock in the morning on Saturday, pretty much Friday night, Saturday morning, one o'clock. You guys want it? Sure. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, you plugged into something. You feel, ah, this is fantastic. Now, where the hell did my, where the hell did my roots for radio come from? Eerily enough, my father's father did radio in Italy when he was out there in the service during World War II. And I have a lot of his letters, writing letters home, talking about how he just created a new script for a, for a uh, you know a radio station out there that he uh, that his play would be put on for this entire company and all that stuff, to so to see that, that was always very interesting, especially since my my grandfather and I have uh, very very similar signatures and handwriting, and I never met him before, but I look at that, and I think about well well where was my conditioning for radio, that I felt that draw, where was my conditioning for anything. Um, you know, after, after my father came out, that could have been a reason that could be a reason for me to withdraw from a lot of things to become really bitter with the world. And, and, you know, you, you, I mean, you make peace with things or you just carry a cross. Those are all choices. Those are all choices. Um, and that is just a, and, and, and to say that, well, well, think about it this way. A traumatic experience or a negative experience or anything that puts applies pressure because even in that respect you can apply you can uh, assign positivity to a uh, an incident negativity to an incident or you can keep it indifferent you can get a very very stoic with this thing and from there you can just say well I guess this one thing that happened in your life was a mitigating or a motivating factor for either a decline or either a, uh, a strengthening. And does that really mean that you've been programmed by it? No, it, it just doesn't. It's conditioning. And it's just the nature of life. Like everything in creation is constantly being tested by its inv its environment. It's constantly drifting toward a a, 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 pure, a place of stasis where it feels most supported with least resistance and balance. That's really what it's all about. Now, we have something else on top of that. We have ego, we have the mind, uh, and we contemplate things that the, the trees and the rocks and the squirrels cannot. And for somebody to completely take that factor out of it and relegate yourself to the, to just uh, the, the, I don't know, the existence of walking slime or a slightly more evolved monkey is just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. But again, you're talking about a guy who has a very fatal view of life and, and everything else. But there is, there is a, another factor there. The mind control factor, again, where something like this, this guy would probably say, oh, that's unfounded. MK Ultra went nowhere and mind control is just a baseless conspiracy theory. I'm pretty sure uh, Stanford, the Stanford, uh, Stanford 
scientist would be very averse to conspiracy theories. Um, and he'd also be averse to the, uh, the crime statistics as well. But still, when you think about that, hunger, stress, people who are fearful, sick, it's very easy to control them. Why would you need to control them? Why would, why the need, why the need to, to rig elections? I don't know. Can't, isn't there a way to stimulate everybody to doing exactly what you want? If what, I don't know. It, it might be a too individualized scenario at that point. But let's take another call. 803, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hello? Hello? Who is this? Uh, this is Frank. Oh, hey, Frank. Uh, this is Jeff from South Carolina. Hello, Jeff. Good to have you on, my man. Yeah, um... I was uh, talking about the free will uh, discussion. I had um, kind of a, a different perspective that I had from, uh, do you know the movie uh, uh, Ghost? Yes. I, uh, the screenwriter actually claimed to be like, have reached enlightenment uh, of some sort. And he had uh, sort of like meditation sessions at his, uh, at his house. And I, I was out of curiosity. I went there. And like he had like a, you do a meditation. And he did seem kind of like, out there sort of like advanced spiritually and so you just sort of like a a feeling you get like someone's kind of further out there and i asked them whether people had free will and this is like something i've uh heard from other sort of eastern philosophies is that you uh you she said it's like as you get more advanced and you lose your ego the more it becomes like you're on the passenger seat of the drive of of the car and like uh, something else moves through you. I guess kind of like when it was in flow, when you're not really even like thinking about anything and you're just doing, I think more and more as you lose your ego, you just kind of do things. And then that, in, that, in those respects, you don't really like, you don't really think, you just do. And does that mean you like lose your free will in that perspective if you're just completely sort of in the moment and just going? It's great. I, I, I yeah. yeah. No. No. It's it's, it's a great it, it's a it's a great point on that. Is that all you wanted to say? Go right ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, no. That's. It, I'm just saying it is. It's kind of hard to like understand that because in the perspective of someone who's kind of like filled with ego and hasn't spent the time meditating, it's kind of hard to understand. I'm not sure whether I completely understand it, but it does. He does sort of point out that it was like it's, you sort of let the something flow through you and you lose something. I guess uh, I don't know. I, I would, what I'd have to imagine, and thank you for the call, because at any moment the guys are going to be walking through the door over here for band practice. What I'd have to imagine is when you talk about those Eastern traditions, you're talking about the abandonment of attachment and to be able to let go of your attachments. And I, I, I take a lot of, I, it, it gives me a lot of pause and I do not dismiss this stuff one uh, 100% not not at all do I because it's very stoic and it's in in this respect um, You know, especially when you think of Buddhism really what they come to the conclusion is that life is pain Life is very very painful and that uh, Most pain comes through the attachments to things around you whether it be any kind of a noun be they people or places or things or anything anything like that and the only way to kill that pain is to kill attachment 
and that through killing attachment to things and people around you, you will actually be able to free yourself, free yourself of all of, of the, the, the anxiety of knowing that all things will be lost eventually and all things in this life. Okay, uh, regardless of what you what you believe about the afterlife, we all know that living out our time here gets harder and harder and harder for a number of reasons. You go through a lot of loss, not only just loss of people around you, but loss of your own personal function. Uh, th there's just a lot that happens. And, in, and their outlook on life is in detaching oneself from all those things that uh, we hold on to. And that doesn't mean that you, you go through life feeling no affection for people or, or love or, or closeness and, and, and brotherhood for people around you, but you've managed to, to kill that, that need, that attachment for the people and places and things around you. And I, I think that it's very, very noble, an idea, and I see how it makes a lot of sense. Uh, obviously it's a lot harder. It's a lot, it's very, very hard to try to, um, to try to, I don't know, dull that, that emotional, that, that magnetic grip to people around you. I'm very, very sentimental and things like that. It, it's very hard for me to consider that. So that's why I, I rest my faith in, in everything eventually being all right after this world passes away, after we pass away from this world and go on that it's just it's a continuation and we'll we'll all be we'll all be together again uh but it's it's true now as far as what happens when you're able to actually cut loose from that and you do a sufficient amount of meditating on what death is and what life after death is and and our place in all of this the nature of consciousness um when you're able to attain some kind of state of enlightenment then I can see you being in a flow and actually dipping yourself into the river of life and just going with it. And from there, maybe you're not struggling to make certain things work. And you're not struggling to put things into effect there and, and, you know, whatever. But you are still making choices. You are totally making choices just because, you know, you want to do something. Classic example of making a choice is just going into an ice cream parlor. I'm having, I'll have some uh, strawberry. Why is that? Because I want the strawberry. Oh, I'll have the rocky road. It's just a choice. Things like that. So there is always freedom involved. But but I would say that finding yourself experimenting and, and dabbling with those eastern lines of thought actually brings you to a place of even more freedom. That, that That's probably even more. Because if you think about everything else that we're talking about, and this is applied to all types of disciplines and religions, Christianity. Uh, this is the really just stoic. This is where stoicism is very important, because what the, the the scientist is really talking about there is that there are all these things in your life that give you all the reasons why you do or do don't do things, all the conditions that so, so that put you on one path or another. And if you are able to actually deal with those things and see them for what they are and release the attachment they have on you, then suddenly you are free and you are making freer decisions. You are making far freer choices and, uh, and you actually regain more of yourself. 
because yeah the, the part of us is instinctual part of us is always you know conditioned for survival for for everything to try to maximize our stability we crave certain things we crave uh social connection we crave all uh, all types of uh comforts and stability um so i think that's where we're at how do you free yourself up even more because there are people who are lost and have absolutely no free will. There is that. I do not deny that there are people who have no free will. Mind control is for real. Slavery is for real. Trauma can be so bad that you can be locked up in, in many ways. You can carry a prison around with you wherever you go. Anyway, that's all I have for you tonight. Real quick, let's get through the Super Chats, and I would love to take some more calls on this some other time. It's a very rich subject. NJSF, thank you. Chai Possum, thank you. Sean Joe. David Sloan says, hi, Legacy. Legacy rant is here. Oh, man. When the hell? We better get a rant before the end of the year. I haven't. I feel like I haven't spoken to him in three or four years. Donasar, thank you. Jay Sem says, the professor and the elite don't think the masses have the ability to free will. Great discussion. Thank you. Jesse 81138, Porpoiseful, Sean Joe, J. Jewel says the professor of sophistry plagiarized Yuval the push. Yuval to push, no God, transhumanism BS, sophistry, you're right. Uh, that is the the arch enemy of the of the Stoic, is the, the sophist. Uh, and Zoso dude says free will without benefit of knowledge and experience is do what thou wilt. Mm, yeah, the dog licking their balls. Maven, great show, Frank. Thank you, Maven, and thank you for all the help of all my friends over there at Pill.net. I really appreciate you. Uh, tomorrow night, I'll see you at 7 o'clock. You guys have been real. It's been fantastic. Good night. That's not what I meant to do. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film before a live studio audience. And now our super chatter, starting with Stostube. I didn't see this. When Jay Britt says the quite frankly shall be supported, who am I to deny a wonderful idea, he says, in support of QF. An ultimate shout out to the Jay Brits. Here's a little something for the till, Frank. Brits did it. And then there's Jay Britt saying, hey, Frank, missed the first hour because of life. But I'll catch up. All life. All life. Anyway. Anyway, much more where that came from tomorrow. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to uh, Wild G over there on Rumble. I'll see you at 7 o'clock tomorrow. Good night.